welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. We're back here Wednesday. Today's date, October 18th. I've been forgetting to do that the last couple of episodes. But uh, yeah, this is uh, we're within a week uh, of the regular season starting. This is our Western Conference preview. Uh, if you listen to our previous episode on Monday, we did our Eastern Conference preview. We broke down team by team uh, storylines, new players, leaving players, um, expectations, roster makeup, all of those type of things. We're going to do the same thing today with the Western Conference. And then, of course, on Friday, we will be doing um, kind of the bigger storylines around the NBA. We'll do some predictions for the season, um, things of that nature, and we'll hopefully get either Wyatt and or Justin on that episode. Of course, I am Karsten. I'm your main host of the show. Welcome to it. Uh, welcome to the podcast uh, and or welcome back to it if you've listened previously um, and or if you're a new listener. Either way, we we really appreciate your support on the show. Um, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and just dive right into it with the, the Western Conference preview. And um, similar to the Eastern Conference, we're starting with a team, uh, a really good team, one of the top teams in the West that made a splashy move in the offseason. Uh little while ago, uh, compared to the, the Bucks' recent move, uh, the Suns made this move quite a while ago in comparison, but uh, it's still a big move, one of the big moves of, of the offseason period, and uh, we won't dance around it much longer. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns. That's where we're starting, in the Pacific Division with the Phoenix Suns. They now have built their own uh, revised version of the Big Three. Um, of course, in previous seasons that had been... Um, or the last season, it was Kevin Durant who they got at the trade deadline last season to pair to pair with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Booker and Paul, of course, the duo that had led the Suns to the finals um, two seasons prior. Uh, but now, Chris Paul sent away uh, to Washington and then rerouted to Golden State. We'll talk about Golden State in just a second. But uh, in that trade, the Suns get Bradley Beal. Longtime Washington Wizard now, his first time in the Western Conference, first time on a different team, and Durant, Booker, and Beal all team up. Um, the caveat to this is the Suns were left without a quote-unquote true point guard. The approach, as we've uh, we've heard, is that Bradley Beal is going to be kind of the point guard for the Suns, um, but they're also going to take a sort of positionless type approach to that position. Um for the season. So it'll be very interesting. They also made a big trade recently uh, in the aftermath of the Damian Lillard trade by the Trailblazers. Um, they then had Drew Holiday, and Holiday was a, uh, a trade candidate for a contending team. And as a part of that move, uh, the Suns were able to get Yusuf Nurkic, a experienced center with some... Uh, unique play style um he, he's when he's had some of his best games he's been very good um, but of course he has big injury questions the last three or four seasons it seems he has really struggled to stay on the floor so that'll be something to watch for and the other note is in that trade they gave up deandre ayton um, their first overall pick from just four or five years ago um, and so that was an interesting note as well. So they trade uh, Aiton for Nurkic, essentially. They've brought in Beal, and the bench is completely retooled as well. Plenty of free agent signings, trades, things of that nature. Uh, off the bench, we've got Drew Eubanks and Bull Bull at the uh, the front court depth. Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen, Damian Lee, 
Uh, Nasir Little recently acquired as well, along with Nurkic from the Blazers. Um, Yuta Watanabe from the Nets last season. Kedabate Stiop, Chemezi Metu. Um, so there's some interesting pieces. I don't think it's a terrible bench, but it will definitely be worth watching. Uh, you know, that was a question mark for the Suns even before they traded away some bench pieces to get Beal. Um, last year's playoffs, there were some questions about it, and now there's going to be bigger questions. Um, and then they also have a new head coach as well, longtime head coach Monty Williams moving to the East to coach the uh, Detroit Pistons. And now Frank Vogel moves in, a recent champion of, in his own right with the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, the LeBron and Anthony Davis Lakers in uh, 2020 in Orlando. So uh, Vogel, who I like as a head coach, he's now coaching the Suns, has that, uh, that championship experience, retooled roster, more star power. Uh, it's championship or bust, you would think for the next, uh, you know, couple of seasons for the Phoenix Suns um, with the roster they've constructed. Uh, so that's where we start. Let's move on to another Pacific Division team and probably the next up team, a team that's going to look to be right there with the Suns in Western Conference contention, and that is the Lake Show, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and I really like what they did this uh, off season. Of course, this will be the second year of head coach Darvin Ham. Um, he, I think more than proved himself as far as being the right coach for this Lakers team, being a good fit. LeBron and AD had uh, bounce back years last year, the emergence of Austin Reeves. Um, they had some, some nice smaller acquisitions that played good roles in the playoffs, you know, Vanderbilt, Hachimura, especially. Um, and so those pieces shined, especially last season. And now they've added some pieces. They've brought in, uh, Gabe Vincent from the Miami Heat. They brought in Christian Wood uh, as a potential six-man type player, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, uh, Jackson Hayes, among others. You know, I think that is going to be a great bench mix. Plenty of, uh, of some talent, honestly. You know, still younger players who have some ability. Um, I like that mix for them. And then, of course, D'Angelo Russell, who was on the team last season and struggled uh, for the most part in the playoffs, so far in this preseason, seemingly has been uh, a much different player, returning a bit to the near all-star type level he had with the Nets um, just a few seasons ago. So uh, if they can have Russell playing at that level, Austin Reeves continuing to emerge, the steady play of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and some good depth on the bench, you know, this could be uh, easily a contending team in the Western Conference. And, uh, yeah, Austin Reeves, of course, had the summer experience with Team USA uh, in the FIBA World Cup. We've seen some spark from him in the preseason already. We mentioned it with the East as well and the Brooklyn Nets. His back and forth with Cam Thomas, trading shots. Um, and Austin Reeves, we know, is not going to back down from any t type of challenge, any team, any player. Um, you know, he could be that third star for them. As odd as that may sound, just thinking about his emergence, especially this last season and how quickly he came uh, came to fruition. So definitely a team to watch for. And not far behind them at all, another Pacific Division team. We have the Beam team, the Sacramento Kings. I loved this storyline last season. Um, anytime it come it came up on the show last season, I was I was gushing about the Kings, and uh, I'm probably going to keep doing that because I, I love to see the Kings doing well. 
um, their history is is really interesting and really integral to the the NBA story. And speaking on that history, this is actually going to be the hundredth season of the Sacramento Kings, and that might seem odd. You know, it was only a couple seasons ago we had the seventy fifth anniversary or the 75th season of the NBA. So you might be wondering, well, how can the Kings have 20 plus years of history on top of that? Well, simply they started uh, before either of the precursor leagues to the NBA uh, really existed or were were in, uh, had come to fruition. You know, the, the leagues that merged to create the NBA, the NBL, which started in the late 30s, and the BAA, which started uh, mid-40s. Um, BAA had teams like the Celtics and the Knicks and the Warriors. Meanwhile, the NBL was actually where the Lakers started uh, and the Kings, at that time the Rochester Royals. But before they joined the NBL, they were a team that played various um, kind of more barnstorming professional outfits uh, as far back as the 20s, the mid-20s. And so, again, a rich history their 100th season, that's super cool to see. They have brand new uniforms, which I'm excited about. Big improvement from what they've had. Um, they're going to have, uh, there's leaks of a city uniform that will honor that 100th season, kind of blending elements of their history. Um, so, so that's just the franchise itself. Let's talk about this season's team. Second year of head coach Mike Brown, who totally changed the culture there. Um, he's got them you know, they've, they broke the drought there. They made the playoffs. Now they're in the mode of, okay, we want, we want to prove that that's not a fluke. It's not just a feel good story that we are a legitimate team and a contending type team in the Western conference. You know, they, that was uh, something he spoke on, I believe during media day was um, the elephant in the room, quote unquote, of, uh, you know, contention in the West, especially, you know, such a tough conference. Um, there's, tough teams in the East, but the West is always so stacked and, uh, you know, he's not shying away from that. And the team isn't either, you know, Sabonis and Fox, that pairing, uh, really emerged last season as the team did. And that'll be exciting to see those two play with that, not target on their back, but more attention, more awareness of teams of, you know, the team, the Kings, not surprising them. They know that the Kings are supposed to be a good team so now how do the kings play with that expectation uh so bonus in particular was the recipient of a great contract extension so he's there long term uh i feel like fox got an extension uh in recent years as well so those are the two uh cornerstones of course of the team um and they had one of the underrated underrated signings of the offseason i think it got lost in the shuffle of course with all the the established nba stars moving place to place. They signed last season's EuroLeague MVP, Sasha Vesenkov. Um, and I don't know, I, w- I don't claim to know much about his game. Uh, don't really watch any EuroLeague play other than the occasional highlight for the occasional draft prospect. Um, Vesenkov, a little bit of an older rookie. You get those, uh, you know, not ultra often, but it's not super rare in the NBA. Uh, every couple of years, you have a European player come over, you know, late 20s, early 30s, perhaps, and they sign with the team and they make an immediate impact um, as as a rookie, quote unquote. So, you know, Vasenkov, I, I love what I've seen, and especially in the preseason, uh, he can shoot the ball. I mean, sizable power forward who can shoot it from three, has that playmaking ability that you would expect 
So his signing, and if he can just be a solid rotation piece, even a, a seventh, eighth man off the bench, that just strengthens their depth, which I already liked. You know, they kept all the they they kept rather not kept. Jeez, they kept all the um, key guys on as well. Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, the now sophomore uh, who just is an ultra athlete. Kevin Herter, Monk, Mitchell. Trey Lyles, Alex Lynn, and they've added a bit of depth with JaVale McGee, Chris Duarte, Jalen Noel, uh, the rookie Colby Jones. This team, I think, is going to be so good. And the Kings, the Lakers, and the Suns battling it out in the same division. You know, it's reminiscent in recent years, the NFL, we, we've talked about certain divisions. I think this season, the storyline was the AFC East with the Bills and the, the Dolphins and the Jets are supposed to be great, you know. It reminds me of that, and I, I like that division storyline because we don't talk about divisions as much in the NBA, but those three teams playing so often each other is going to be very exciting. And, oh, not to mention, uh, they seem to be also in the same division as the Golden State Warriors. Let's not forget about the Warriors, uh, one of the, maybe the the most recent of the NBA dynasties, and a team that still is in contention mode. They're going to be in this mix too. You know, uh, they were the recipients of Chris Paul via the, the Wizards from the Bradley Beal trade. Um, and the Warriors gave up Jordan Poole. And we talked a little bit about Poole with the Wizards uh, on the last episode. But now Chris Paul is in for the Warriors. Veteran point guard, one of the you know top 10 point guards of all time. I think it's very safe to say that. So he is... I, I, it looks like he'll be starting with Curry, so Curry's playing more of an off-guard type position, which isn't completely unnatural. I mean, of course, we know he's more of a scoring point guard than a than a distributing point guard, but he definitely is, is great at both, especially as a scorer, so I think it works. Uh, you know, Clay is still there. They retain Draymond Green, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, Wiggins, so you have that lineup, and uh, maybe they play a smaller lineup. Maybe Wiggins... Uh, comes off the bench. Maybe Draymond comes off the bench. Who knows what the plan is there? Uh, Looney still in the mix as well. And uh, the two two of the players I think are going to be most interesting to watch out for as far as this Warriors team being good to uh, or them being you know a contending team like we expect. And I think it's the bench depth, of course, and in particular a guy like Jonathan Kaminga. And the rookie, uh, Pojemski, Brandon Pojemski. Um, you know, Pojemski's had some moments in the preseason. They've talked about him, uh, you know, what he could maybe bring to the team. And the same with Kaminga. Kaminga's been one of the leading scorers in the NBA preseason so far. So both players, if you can have them playing productive ball off the bench, that gives you great depth with Gary Payton II, with Moses Moody, um, they also signed Dario Saric, who I think, when he's had a chance, he can be a productive player as well. Um, you know, Steve Kerr still at the helm. So the Chris Paul and Curry mix is going to be interesting. And then the bench, you know, if they have a, a decent bench, then you can expect the Warriors to be uh, a very tough team to play yet again. And the last team in the Pacific, another team with plenty of talent and plenty of of hopes, but hopes that have been stifled in recent years, the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, what a division, but the Clippers 
they very much get lost in the shuffle, especially with injuries to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, the load management question. You know, that's they they spent all of the last season and really the last couple of seasons focusing on the load management with Paul George and Kawhi and they they plan it out where he they're gonna be ready for the playoffs and the injuries bug still bites, you know? And so it was a big factor in the NBA's offseason, uh, of course, creating the new uh, rules of minimum number of games for awards, which is going to impact, of course, this whole load management issue that has really angered a lot of fans. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch, but George and Leonard still there, still going to be trying to stay 100% healthy. You know, Zubat's at the center. Westbrook now, their starting point guard for a full season. He had a little bit of a renaissance, especially in the playoffs, had some great games. So he could be an X-Factor and could elevate their regular season play, especially in moments where they're resting or they're looking to get George and Leonard healthy. Um, they added Kenny Martin Jr. from the Rockets off the bench, uh, along with, you know, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, Mason Plumley staying on the team. Um, so the bench isn't bad, you know, really, it's just the health. And this has been the storyline for the last few years and maybe some front court depth questions as well. You know, I like Plumlee backing up Zubats. Um, they have a little bit of the small bell element as far as not having a ton of bigs that doesn't always hurt you as we've seen in recent years in the NBA. So that'd be a small question, but really the health is the big question. Can George and Leonard play? We've been asking the same thing uh, the last few years. Can they play consistently together? When they can, undoubtedly they would be a top team in the NBA, but we'll just have to see what happens with them. So there's your Pacific division. And uh, let's shift to a division that has a lot of different type of storylines, um, but still very interesting. There's still a lot of intrigue, and we're going to start with the Houston Rockets in the Southwest. Um and you talk about teams with busy off-seasons. Um, it's hard to think of many teams that had a busier off-season than the Houston Rockets. I mean, this roster, you compare it to last season's roster, so many changes. Um, their front court starters are going to stay the same. Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperen Shangun. Um, those are the two pieces I'm most interested in probably with the Rockets, especially especially Shangun. You know, he had some phenomenal games last season. Uh, his dynamic play you know you don't want to compare him quite to a Nikola Jokic different types of games but also of course Shingun not nearly as good as Jokic but the versatility at the center spot I think you know is very intriguing with him and then Jabari Smith played a couple of summer league games and in those games he was quite simply dominant so if he can have a huge sophomore season that would be big for the Rockets but uh the the acquisitions they signed Fred Van Vliet, one of the big names of the free agency pool. Uh, Dylan Brooks, a name that fans were kind of picking as a player that would get lost in the free agency shuffle or maybe a player that um, w would lose value due to the playoff run and, and kind of his reputation as a player. But he got a good contract with the Rockets. Van Vliet is there. They signed um, Jock Landale. They just barely made a trade for Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and they got rid of Kevin Porter Jr. Of course, that was an offseason storyline. Um, 
I believe, if I remember correctly, it was a domestic assault, something or other, with Kevin Porter Jr., just the type of storyline you hate to see. Um, he was traded just yesterday to the Thunder from the Rockets, and the Thunder immediately uh, cut his contract. They waived him. So now that's a NBA future very much up in the air. Who knows exactly what will happen with um, Kevin Porter Jr., Tough situation, but the the end of it is he's not on the Rockets anymore. As part of that trade, the Rockets got, yeah, Robinson Earl, but also Victor Oladipo. He's back on the Rockets after this a couple months ago. He was back on the Thunder. Um, what a what a career in recent years for maybe not the most productive reasons. But, you know, I'd like to see Victor Oladipo get a chance to remain healthy and and be the type of player he was just four or five years ago. I mean, we forget how good Victor Oladipo was. Um, and then the draft in particular, Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Of course, Thompson, the fourth overall pick, um, I believe fourth, yes. Uh, <clears throat> and his twin brother, Asar, going to the Pistons. Um, both of them bigger guards with some defensive emphasis, some playmaking emphasis, athleticism, so... Um, that could be a good mix. And then Cam Whitmore, a lot of people are saying the steal of the draft, the forward out of Villanova, who just recently had, uh, it was it was taken off the board due to a charge call, but this nearly free throw line dunk, um, <clears throat> excuse me, showing off shades of, you know, a Paul George. Uh, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts when I saw his play, a prime Paul George which is a scary thought with all the other talent that Houston has. Um, they added Reggie Bullock, a veteran. And let's not forget uh, two of the big pieces. First of all, head coach Ime Udoka, his first year now with the Rockets after taking the Celtics to the finals two years ago. Right after that finals run, having the the questions about uh, conduct with the Celtics, and we didn't really get a lot of details there, but now he's the head coach with the Rockets and has a chance to lead them and lead a player that's supposed to be their star, Jalen Green, who is, I don't mind Jalen Green. I, I Obviously, he has boatloads of offensive talent. Some of the plays that you've seen from the Rockets in particular last season, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green on the floor, um, did not look stellar as far as a efficient team, great players making teammates better. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, running just great, good team offense in general. So, you know, what does he look like with this completely revitalized roster? Does he take a step forward? Is he a better player? Is he someone whose growth has stagnated? That'll be very interesting to see with the Rockets as well. Plenty of storylines. Um, it'll be exciting to see what Houston can do this season. Um, another team that is one to watch for, the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and it's the same story as last year. You know, they've got... We've seen when they put it all together, and we saw it last season at the beginning of the season, when everyone was healthy, they were one of the top teams in the West, simply put. I mean, Zion's play, the way the team was gelling good depth. Um, Willie Green, I've loved what he's done as a head coach, but then the injury bug bit and they never really were able to recover. And uh, that was kind of their season. 
And so Zion's back should be ready to start the season, has gotten a little bit of, po- of uh, preseason action. They've already had some injuries that, you know, raises a little bit of concerns. Uh, let me double check what those were. Uh, yeah, Najee Marshall and Trey Murphy the third, two of your best bench players. That's definitely concerning. It looks like not ultra, or hopefully not the longest term, Trey Murphy out for uh, potentially uh, another month or two, which is not ideal. Najee Marshall, maybe another week or so. But um, otherwise, you keep the starters healthy, and even if you have some bench concerns, you could still be productive. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, a rookie out of UConn, there's something about him, and I think I said this before, just the quality of his name, if that makes any sense, and just the fact that he played at UConn makes me wonder, could he be somewhere in the mix of a Ray Allen, a Richard Hamilton, a Ben Gordon? Who's to say? I mean, it's it would be that's, – that's a pretty solid group, especially a Ray Allen. But, uh, you know, why not? We'll have to see what he's able to do at the next level. Um, this next team, also in the Southwest – um, one of the more talked about teams and a star player who's still trying to find his way, um, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, as Morant goes, the Grizzlies are going to kind of go. Um, and within the last year, things have gone South, even though the team has kept things afloat, they've made playoffs. Morant's played in the playoffs well. Um, but we know the incidents with the, the off court issues, the Instagram lives, uh, brandishing, maybe not brandishing, but uh, a couple of different instances, Instagram live with the gun and the uh, the clubs and all those type of things, you know, the distractions. And it goes a little bit deeper than that. You know, I'd recommend there was a notification I got today from ESPN for more of an in-depth article talking about the the last year or two of the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant and what Morant, uh, what off court issues have come up with John Morant. Um, so I definitely recommend looking into that. There's a ton of intrigue about what, what is going on. You know, is he actually going to get this figured out? Because right now it's kind of on the verge of, you know, a talented player who can't get out of his own way. Um, you know, so so now the question is, of course, he has the suspension, the 25 game suspension. Um, so he will be missing the first, you know, probably couple of months at least of the season. So how does the team work until he gets back and you know help him get back? Um, I think a good start is Stephen Adams, hopefully being healthy. Him with Jaron Jackson Jr. very uh, very stout front court. Desmond Bain was great last year. Love his play, and then two of the two of their offseason acquisitions: Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose. Of course, they acquired Smart from the Celtics, um, and then Rose, a free agent signing. Those two guys, their veteran leadership and their play style, you know, should hopefully fit well with Memphis. Of course, Derrick the Derrick Rose is a Memphis native, or at least played at University of Memphis, um, and Marcus Smart the the defensive minded former defensive player of the year you know i think those are two good acquisitions especially in these first you know couple of months filling in for morant um the team around them should still be good and they should hopefully be able to you know keep them a top half team 
in the West. Um, Rose in particular, you know, John Morant, as he was rising as a star, the maybe the most often made comparison was, oh, he's like a he's like a Derrick Rose type player. And now Rose is on the team, and Rose has had to mature a lot, dealing with injuries, dealing with disappointments, dealing with trades when he didn't expect it. You know, now he can mentor a young guy with all the talent in the world um, who is risking throwing it away. You know, I think that would be, I think that's a great signing for them. I think he will be a big impact player. And, and yeah, keeping things, just keeping competitive, winning games, not starting a season off rough because, you know, I, I think that could be easy to expect, especially where, they, you know, Tyus Jones, I think, was an underrated player as far as what Memphis did. His ability to come in when Morant wasn't playing and and be a good point guard. He knew the system. Uh, the team kind of gelled around him. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and I'm saying that with every team. But, of, of course, especially with that particular point guard situation, I think Smart and Rose have a real good chance of holding holding things up until Morant gets back, and then what does the team look like with Morant back in the fold? Um, yeah, that'll be probably you know December or January at least before we get to see that, but of course that'll be a recurring storyline with the Grizzlies uh, until Morant returns. Um, let's go to the Mavericks next, and the Kyrie and Luka pairing. Kyrie, the big trade deadline acquisition last season, from the Brooklyn Nets, paired with Luka, uh, incredible backcourt. We immediately thought this should be very good, and playoffs was kind of a an afterthought or a foregone conclusion until suddenly the Mavericks missed the playoffs entirely, including the play-in. Um, just shocking, and especially at the end of the season, the last couple of games where there was questions about, uh, you know, a quote-unquote tanking, um, not really giving themselves a chance to make the play in in, in order to kind of help their draft odds a little bit. Um, some of the play of the team during that stretch after they'd got Kyrie, you know, we saw plenty of the talent that Kyrie has that he compared with Luca, but now we'll have a full season to see how the pairing works. And a team that, you know, has, I think, enough uh, supporting pieces to to be competitive, uh, to at least be a playoff type team, you know Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, Kleba of course, um, hopefully healthy, and he's an underrated piece for the Mavericks. His defense and his uh, stretching the floor, Tim Hardaway Jr., and then some new bench pieces: Markeith Morris, um, Grant Williams. That was a big signing from the Celtics, and Seth Curry. You know Curry returns to the Mavericks. Um, they've got Josh Green and Jaden Hardy, younger guards, Dante Exum, more of a veteran, um, and the rookies, Derek Lively II and Olivier Maxence Prosper. Lively in particular, I would like to see if he could emerge as a above-average center, which would really, I think, help out the Mavericks. You know, I mean, Dwight Powell, I, it feels like, has been one of the closer pieces that Luka has to a pick-and-roll threat. You know, and Lucas playmaking, if he can have a more dependable role center who can finish inside, lively, they've already had a connection or two like that in the preseason. You know, that could maybe unlock something with the Mavericks. Who knows? Um, but, 
yeah, it, it, I think it'll be a much improved team. I think they should be probably a playoff type team. Um, what's the ceiling and what uh, what more do they need to get even better, I guess would be the question. And then finally, with the, uh, the final team in the Southwest, of course, one of the big teams to talk about, even though they're not going to be a contender by any means, is the San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wembanyama. Uh, Wemby, Wemby, Wemby. That's all anyone can talk about in the preseason, and I don't blame them. You know, I've seen the highlights of his, you know, few games that he's played, and, uh, you know, in Summer League, you could see, of course, where the potential was, but there were, he, he looked shaky. He didn't look ultra-confident, you know. Um, this preseason, that's totally different. And some of that he's talked about, he's, you know, learned more about his body in the last few months than he had in the previous, you know, few years. Um, he's added 10 to 15 pounds of strength, reportedly. And he has he's looking great. I mean, he's not looking perfect there's obviously still a lot of things to work on he's still uh fairly raw as a prospect but the plays that he has made i mean half of his plays or more highlight real plays um just simply with his size you know he can he can react late as a defender on a play and make an easy block just because he's seven foot three seven foot four and you know this unbelievable wingspan um He's he's shown the shooting touch. He's shown the ability to finish inside. That is just going to unlock everything for the Spurs. And, of course, he's the building block. He's the piece. Um, so how does Greg Popovich help him develop? I, you know, Popovich has started to gain, you know, some a small pocket of detractors as far as the team in recent years hasn't been winning. Of course, they haven't had a lot of talent, and they've, gradually been losing talent but now you add one Banyama they have interesting pieces around them of course Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell and Sohan as well are the big ones Trey Jones uh, I believe he signed an extension as well um, the starting lineup is all right but when Banyama can probably elevate all those guys to being really good especially Johnson and Vassell um, the bench is okay-ish but yeah really if if when Benyama can just be amazing out the gate, he can elevate the Spur- his Spurs teammates, then the Spurs become an attractive location for free agents. Um, the the talent around him that plays better than maybe they would otherwise become more valuable as trade pieces. When Benyama himself becomes that star type player. You know, this is just what the Spurs expect, I I'm, I'm suppose, but more so hope for is, you know, as Wembenyama becomes a star, that opens up doors and avenues for the team to become better quickly. Um, and especially with Popovich at the helm, what Luke, uh, what Wembenyama rather does this season is going to be um, a big determine- determining factor in the Spurs' growth. Because again, he's, he's raw. If he takes a little bit longer to develop then maybe it takes a few more years for the Spurs to get better and I suppose that's kind of goes without saying but needless to say the Spurs if you if you don't have like a league pass or something you know this would be the year that I'd say well definitely consider it um, I actually got league pass for the first time myself not just because of Wemanyama, but now that I have it it's like you know I 
and now that I've seen some of his highlights, I'm definitely going to want to tune in when I can to see what he does because he's he's electric. You know, it's easy to see why he was a number one pick. Um, let's move to the Northwest and talking about Wembenyama. Let's talk about a player that he dueled with and a player that had that excitement of a tall guy with the the dynamic play like an ultra tall guy um before Wembenyama was as hyped as he has become and uh, we're talking about the thunder and chet holmgren of course holmgren did not play at all last season uh due to i think it was a liz frank fracture um he's back now he's played in the preseason the summer league uh he had a duel in the preseason with Wembenyama, and he looked productive um, he doesn't look quite as exciting, especially athletically as Wimbanyama, but he still looks like he could be an intriguing player and the lineup that they run. I'm going to be interested in that. Is he the center? Is he the power forward? Is he a small forward? Um, height wise, he's by far their tallest player. He would, you know, typically be your center for sure, but, um, that'll be interesting, but it's interesting with the Thunder, we talk about Holmgren first, or at least I decided to go there first, but they have a player who broke out as an all-NBA player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You know, he's he was phenomenal. I mean, a 30-plus point-per-game score last season. Um, the assists, the rebounding, the defense as well. You know, him being there, I think, is going to just be huge for the Thunder. Um, and then, of course, Plenty of young talent around him. Josh Giddy, Dort, uh, the two Jalen Williamses, uh, one of them more of a, a wing guy, one more of a, a, a quote-unquote garbage man inside. Kenrick Williams or Ken Rich Williams, Alexei Pokushevsky, Trey Mann. Uh, they just signed one of those European, a little bit older rookies, uh, Vasilije Micic. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that somewhat correctly. Um there's plenty of players, you know. Um, how does the team fit around that? Uh, does SGA keep up his level of play? How does Holmgren play in his first season? Um, can they make the playoffs? Can they make a push for the playoffs? Of course, they were right there for a, a play-in spot. Uh, well, they were in the play-in, but they are right there for a, a playoff spot, winning the play-in tournament, but they just didn't quite make it happen. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what they do this year in such a loaded conference, if they're able to make that next step, um, in terms of a team in the Northwest, that's a little bit, that's similar, but is a little further back in the rebuilding stage. That's the Portland trailblazers. Of course, they got the trade done for da- or to send Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee bucks. So for the first time in a little more than a decade there without Damian Lillard, uh, on the roster full stop to start a season. Now, in his place, they have plenty of players that add intrigue. At the guard spot, the number three overall pick, Scoot Henderson. Um, he's going to be the player to watch for them, of course. They have Malcolm Brogdon still on the roster, so they could be making some trades still with Brogdon to a team that wants his talents, that's looking to be a competitive team. They have Anthony Simons, who had emerged as Lillard's running mate in the backcourt. They've re-signed Jeremy Grant. They added DeAndre Ayton and 
Robert Williams III, Aiton from the Suns, Williams from the Celtics. So they've added some younger pieces at the center, and especially Aiton, you know, his chance to be more of a star-type player or have a chance to emerge. Um, that'll be interesting to watch. Shaden Sharp off the bench. The rookie Chris Murray, uh, brother of Keegan Murray, you know, he went late in the draft, and I have the feeling that Chris Murray is going to be if not as productive, he'll be close to as productive as his brother Keegan. And I think that could be a steal in the draft. If he can emerge, you have Grant, you have Aiton, Anthony Simons, and then you add in Scoot Henderson. You know, this Trailblazers team could be better than you would expect. You know, I like the young pieces. Chauncey Billups, I think, is a maybe one of the bigger question marks. Um, so far, the Blazers haven't won a lot with Billups. As a coach, I like Chauncey, um, but this will really be a great test of how good of a head coach is he this next year or two, um, depending on how well Portland does. Um, so that'll be a big question mark for them. Next, let's talk about my favorite team, uh, the Utah Jazz. Now, they, I think, are set up for improvement this next season. Um you know, Larry Markinen, of course, the kind of centerpiece at this point, uh, had a busy offseason himself. You know, he completed his military obligation to his home country, Finland, and then uh, competed at the World Cup as well. So he's been busy in the offseason. He's been staying active. I think that should, you know, maybe there's an injury concern of, oh, well, he hasn't gotten as much of a break, but... Um, I don't know. I think he should be all right. That that would probably be a little bit of a reach, but you know he's the he's the centerpiece for the Jazz at this moment. And in this recent draft, they had three first round picks. Starting to see the the fruits of their uh, endeavor, their trades. You know the Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert trades, their moves to really focus on rebuilding that started last off season. The three first-round picks, uh, Taylor Hendricks, nine overall, power forward. Keontae George, uh, guard, maybe a combo guard. Is he a point guard, a shooting guard uh, out of Baylor? And then Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State. Um, to add in with the last year's, uh, one of the top three rookies in the NBA last year, and Walker Kessler, who's emerged as... Um, a pretty darn good replacement for Rudy Gobert, especially as a rookie. Not much more you could have asked from him. Keeping up the defense and the rebounding inside, but with some more offensive potential and upside. Um, they also swung a trade for John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks. My question at this point, as they also signed Omer Yurt 7, uh, formerly with the Miami Heat, is are the Jazz, and I kind of wondered this last season, they seem a little bit overloaded at the front court. You know, Markkinen, Collins, and Kessler. Hendricks, the rookie, is going to maybe have to come off the bench with Kelly Olynyk, And then Shamanich and Yurt7. It seemed like maybe they could have dealt with more of a, a small forward uh, at one of those spots. But either way, you know, Markkinen plays a small forward and they make that work. I kind of like that. Um, Fontecchio still in there. At the guard spot, Sexton and Clarkson probably going to be your starters. Of course, Clarkson signed a nice extension himself. Um, 
Keonta George and Agbaji, Otai Agbaji, are going to be probably your backups with Talon Horton Tucker. Horton Tucker actually started for the Jazz at point guard for a lot of the back half of the season last year and showed some interesting play. Um, you know, there's there's plenty to work with here, and I'm super excited. I think the rookies are really going to be an emphasis. Um, Keontae George, from what I saw uh, in Summer League, you know, he has the upside if he's able to put the work in and um, put everything else together. He has the upside and talent of a all-star type point guard. And I, of course, would love to see that happen and to see him emerge. I'm interested to see. I haven't really seen anything of Taylor Hendricks. You know, he didn't play much at all. I don't think he played at all in the summer league. Um, he's played a, a touch in the preseason. You know, what he does, what Sensabaugh does, George, um, and then, of course, John Collins, how he fits. Super intriguing, super excited for this season with the Jazz. Um and speaking of the Jazz, a player traded away from the Jazz last season, Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they were a competitive playoff team to an extent. You know, they beat the Nuggets in in a game in that first round series before losing in five. Um, you know, not terrible, especially with how they had struggled in stretches uh, during the season. Now we'll have the second full season, especially with Carl Anthony Towns healthy uh, of that pairing. Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert the two seven-foot-plus type guys uh, starting at power forward and center, respectively. It'll be interesting to see how that works in year two. Of course, Mike Conley Jr. now full season with the Timberwolves, Jaden McDaniels at the small forward, and then Anthony Edwards. You know, we know he's an all-star type player. I think he's poised for a breakout type year, um, especially playing in the summer uh, in the FIBA World Cup. You know, his play he's changing his number back to his college number number five um his two-way play and what he did in the playoffs i just think he could emerge as um you know a top five shooting guard in the west a top 10 guard in the west you know i really love his two-way play the bench is interesting i love the nas reed extension i i've liked his story and i think he gives him some good depth um they didn't really make a lot of changes. I mean, they brought in Shake Milton from the Sixers, who's had some okay moments, but um, it's really that starting lineup. You know, the bench can work, especially with Kyle Anderson, Troy Brown, who had a nice year with the Lakers last year. Um, but the Towns go bear pairing, and then the emergence, hopeful emergence of Anthony Edwards, are really going to be the determinations, the determining factors for the uh, for the Timberwolves. Uh, of course, Edwards got an extension as well. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, and so that'll be something to watch for. And to wrap things up in the Northwest Division, the team, you know, similar to how we ended with the East, the team that everything in the West is going to go through despite the lack of hype around their offseason and not being in the biggest market, the defending champs, the Denver Nuggets, you know, it's their conference. They're the champs. They won the West last year. Um, they swept the Lakers in the conference final. They have one of the best players, if not the best player in the world right now, in Nikola Jokic. They've got a great team. You know, there are some questions, of course. Um, they lost Bruce Brown in the offseason, and that was a great piece for them off the bench, especially in the playoffs. 
I'm curious to see where they find a replacement for that production. Um, but they'll have Murray and Jokic starting and being stars. That'll be something to watch for as well. Can Jamal Murray make his surprisingly first all-star team? He's, he's never made an all-star team, which is wild considering how phenomenal of a player he is. You still have Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon as the starters around uh, or with Jokic and Murray. So your starters were not impacted there. Um, you know, and especially with them getting lost in the shuffle of all the other teams in the West making moves, you know, they should be, uh, they have a little bit of that underdog mentality. Uh, head coach Michael Malone, of course, was adamant about they want to be contending, they want to win multiple. You know, they want to be a special type of team. Um, so off the bench, you'll have Jack, Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, and DeAndre Jordan. Those are the big pieces, the big names. Uh, Vlatko Kanchar. Um, they have the rookies, Julian Strother, who's had a nice preseason so far, uh, and Hunter Tyson. Justin Holiday's in there as well. So the bench would be really the big question mark. Um, and if the bench stays productive, if they find replacement production, either one player or multiple players for what Bruce Brown did as kind of a do-everything man, then uh, Nuggets should be right there as you're, you know, a top contending team and a favorite, one of the favorites to repeat as champion. So that's that's our Western Conference. And, you know, it's so stacked. And as we now shift into a conversation of your contenders versus your playoff bound teams versus your play-in mix, this was so much more tough to do than the East because – all of these teams or most of these teams have playoff type rosters, or at least it feels that way. Like they could make the playoffs or they could make the play in. So it's tough to, to differentiate. I mean, it's the same way it was last season. These teams were so close in record. Um, it was just uh, it, it, such a, a close knit group, but here's what I would say as far as our four tiers contenders, playoff bound, play and mix, and building. For the contenders, I would say the Denver Nuggets and our top three teams from that Pacific division where we started, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Kings. I would really say those are your top contending teams at this moment in the West. Playoff bound, right behind them, the Golden State Warriors. And now again, I know there's a really good chance that uh, that pick at this moment is going to, you're going to look back and say, well, you know, why'd you pick them that low? They were a conference final team or a championship team, you know, because it's possible. We've seen it two years ago with the Warriors right now, the Chris Paul fit, you know, I think it can work. I want to see it work first. Um, and then the bench depth would be a question as well. Um, you know, you lose a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, um, that I think could be an impact. So I have them at the top of playoff bound. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, you know, when they've had it all together, they've been a top team in the West. But again, the John Morant situation is going to be a big question mark for them. So I have them in playoff bound. And then I have the Timberwolves and the Clippers as my last two playoff bound teams. With the level of talent, what the Timberwolves did last year and the Clippers having Leonard and George and Westbrook, I would pick them as kind of my last mix of the playoff band. The play-in mix, I would put the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks and the New Orleans Pelicans in that top group. 
with the Pelicans. It's just the injury bug, and especially I, I got a little bit scared off of putting him in playoff bound with them already starting to have some injuries. Uh, with the Mavericks and the Jazz, you know, their drop-off in the at the back half of last season, especially the Mavericks, um, I hesitate putting them in playoff bound. The Jazz, of course, still kind of building. And then I did slip the Houston Rockets into the very back end of that play-in mix because they made so many moves and brought in so many different, you know, players trying to elevate their roster and a head coach with great experience. I think they would be the team of the four that are kind of more in that, you know, young talent mode um, that would have a chance of making the play-in. I, I probably should have put Oklahoma City there as well. Um I have them in the building mode simply because of the Chet Holmgren question. You know, you compare it to Houston, Jabari Smith Jr. as a starter, as a sophomore. You compare that to the Thunder, likely going to have Holmgren as a starter, as a rookie. That would be my only distinction, and especially they didn't make as many moves as Houston as far as bringing in that level of talent. Of the two teams, Oklahoma City has by far the best player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but again, Holmgren, maybe the growing pains, or at least the, the potential for growing pains, um, and the you know the depth, how that all works together, that would be my reason for putting the Thunder in building still, but they're at the top of that. And then the last two teams, the Trailblazers and the Spurs. The Blazers, of course, with some interesting pieces, you know, somewhat similar to the Wizards in some ways, but um, they'll just be looking to see, to kind of evaluate players for the most part of the season. And then the Spurs, they have Wembenyama. Depending on how well he plays, they could move up this list kind of quickly. But uh, that's my grouping right now for the Western Conference teams. And that is the end of our Western Conference preview. Now, I think we uh, have covered most of the big talking points uh, as far as the Western Conference goes. Super interesting. And again, super closely matched teams throughout a lot of the West, a um, little bit, a little bit stacked, you know, so it'll be tough to see some teams miss the playoffs or miss the play in entirely that had talent, but just there were too many other good teams. You know, that'll be very interesting to watch for this season. But, uh, but that concludes our Western conference preview. Um, again, a little bit longer of an episode than I maybe had originally planned, but um, there's just so much to talk about on Friday. We'll be back. Again, either hopefully with um, Wyatt and or Justin, we're going to do just general storylines and we're going to talk about our own predictions for a lot of different things. The playoffs, the awards, the the standings, all those type of things for this upcoming season. And our predictions there will actually play a small part in our postseason playoff predictions. We'll talk about that on Friday as well. Um Real quick, I'll plug our socials, our social media stuff on Instagram, uh, our long-standing Instagram page, Crossover Across Time. Uh, same uh, same username, same name on, on Facebook, Crossover Across Time. Uh, look that up. You'll be able to find us. And then on uh, Twitter or X, uh, Crossover Across Time, I think it was too long of username, so we did X over Across Time. Um, so you should... X over across time, all, you know, one word username should be able to find it there. Um, 
whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts um, or RSS.com, you should be able to find uh, our link tree either in that description or on our social media, and that'll link you to everything else. So you should be able to find, you know, just about everything from from all that info. Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate your support, and we'll be back with you on Friday. We'll see you then. Bye.